online with Ammer the Internet Guy. Stream it today on your favorite podcast platforms. This podcast focuses on entrepreneurs and business owners, helping them become more successful in conducting their business on the web without being stuck with technology. Hey guys, how's it going? So my guest today is Michelle Bourbonnier from Alberta, Canada. We are going to be discussing content. You know when they say content is king? This episode is actually telling you what to do in order to make your content king. Without further ado, let's meet Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Hello. <laughs> How's it going? Oh, very good. So guys, I have Michelle Bourbonnier. Yeah, that's a Quebecois name here. Um, she's not from Quebec, but I, I understand she married into one. Yes. Uh, so Michelle, just tell people where you are and what you do, please. So um, I'm based out of Edmonton. Um, and yes, my husband is Francophone. He's from Quebec. Um, and uh, yeah, I live in Edmonton and I'm an SEO editor. So for some time, I was thinking about, you know, content and text and SEO and stuff like that. And I think we've met through Josh Hall on, on one of his, I think we've met on the Facebook group first. Yeah. And then we realized we were both on Marie Forleo's course and, and things like that. Like I, I see you now, it's funny because like we meet somewhere and then we realize that we're everywhere, but we were just not aware. <laughs> yeah, and you're not even that far because you're in Canada too. So I don't in BC, yeah. you're in Alberta. Yeah, it's like next door. Yeah. So what's, what's the difference between an editor and a copywriter? Okay, so maybe I can go back and tell you a little bit about like how I got here because it's a it's a kind of a an interesting yeah, story. and you have a PhD as well, which scares me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah, it was a long story, but I'll make it short. Um, so basically, what it is is that I I mean I have a PhD in history, um, and so as a historian, we learn how to write stories, right? So like we learn how to find stories in the archive, we find. Um, stories that have never been told. And then we write these kind of narrative histories around them, typically around an argument as well. Um, so when I graduated, um, I went into editing and editing is like not that, I mean, it's a fairly common career path to go from like a PhD in the humanities to like an editing degree. Um, so I, I did some work at um, University of California, Berkeley. I took their certificate course in editing to become a professional editor. But of course, if you're an editor, um, you need to uh, find a text to edit. And right, so yeah. editors can work in all different fields. So, I mean, the most traditional editor would be um, somebody working with a publishing house where um, somebody's written their first book and it's going to get published. And then the publishing house hires an editor to look over it and be that second set of eyes um, to kind of bring, make that book into its best self and to really help the author kind of bring it up the next level. Um, and so editors can do everything from like the most tiny technical things like proofreading. Like I took mm -hmm. a very, very long and detailed class in formal grammar. Um, and then also um, helping authors with the more substantive issues of style and explaining themselves really well and being clear and having an argument and only having one argument and all those types of things. Um, so, so traditionally editors worked in publishing houses, um, but especially with the advent of, you know, everybody now is an author and we can all write on the internet. Um, editors are sort of branching out more into other fields where writing happens. Um, and so as I graduated from the editing program, um, I've always dabbled in WordPress. I've always dabbled in kind of internet stuff. 
Um, so it just kind of seemed natural to me that I would actually move into editing um, internet text. So I'm a an, like a website editor. So basically instead of editing novels or editing even like academic texts, I just edit websites. It's, I think it's more interesting because websites aren't all about the same thing. So you get to yeah. see like different industries and, and, and different angles of what people want to say to the rest of the world. Absolutely. Well, and this is why I love being an editor is that I can work on different projects. I mean, just the, the, the range of different kinds of websites I get to edit is always fascinating, but also like people have something to say, you know, and, yeah. and it's nice because I mean, I was in academia and like, you know, I have a published article, but like, I can't say that many people have read it. Um, and, you know, websites really get read and they really have such an impact. And especially with um, business websites, like when you start getting into knowing just if you can just use the convincing words, how well yeah. they work. Right? So like, it's just a, it's very satisfying to be working in a field where you can see the impact of any changes that you're making, like almost instantly on people's bottom lines, on on like SEO, as I'm sure we'll get into. Um, and so, yeah, it's a really fun, fun way to edit. <laughs> so the editor in general, right, does not change the content. No. Like, yeah. yeah. As opposed to uh, if you're a copywriter, you probably just come up with your own content instead of the person or the business owner or the website owner writing it the copywriter will write it instead but the yeah. editor will make sure that this content is the right one for let's say the message that you're trying to say mm -hmm. um the audience that you're conveying this message to and of course that is technically correct like grammatically and you know yeah. i don't know there's many i'm like i don't know much about it but like i'm thinking there's probably so many uh criterions to check, like, you know, check, 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 make sure everything is correct. Certainly. So like, you know, any website, I mean, I'm sure you, as you well know, like if there's like a typo on your website or an inconsistency, like you saw. Oh, I have many. <laughs> you heard them all too. That's why everyone needs an editor. The, uh, the, if there's like an inconsistency between how you spell a word, I mean, there's, we're Canadian, Oh, right? American, you know, yeah. American, Canadian, British. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, if a, a website that is kind of clean from top to bottom that you've made a choice about what spelling variant you're choosing. And then like that, just that's that extra thing that like that attention to detail can really make a difference. Even if people don't specifically notice knowing that your website is kind of consistent is, is part of professional publishing. Um, but just to say the difference between an editor and a copywriter, you can kind of think about it as different ways that text ends up on the web. Um, so some people hire a copywriter and, and a traditional copywriter, I mean, think Mad Men, like, the, you know, in the 1950s, the, these, these people that were just marketing writers and they were, they were just, they yeah, were making all, a whole new world, right? All the TV ads on, we used to watch on the black and white TV. Yes, exactly. So there's, that is kind of the origins of copywriting where you would hire a marketing specialist to really like understand your audience inside and out, um, to understand what makes them tick and what makes them buy. And then they'll interview your audience. They'll interview your previous customers. They'll figure out your buyer personas, all that kind of stuff. So it's really like a top to bottom approach to writing. So the copywriting bit is actually, I mean, not even the bulk of the work. The bulk of the work is understanding what would make this group of people buy? And then what words do we use in order to help this group of people understand the product and want it really badly? 
Um, so I have the utmost respect for conversion copywriters and people who mm. sort of do conversion copywriting as a business, because I mean, it's beautiful when you see it. Yeah. <laughs> and so it really is a, a, a wonderful skill. Um, unfortunately for a lot of people, it's also quite expensive because it's just so much work, right. To be able to be interviewing all of these, all of the customers, as you can imagine, most yes. small businesses can't afford that. Um, and so that's where I come in because I can work with, so basically the real difference is how we work. So people like you might write the first draft of their website and then come to an editor to sort of, just like I was saying with the book, kind of make the website the best version of itself. So to kind of make those strategic changes that like an outside eye can kind of see and, and, and be able to say, oh, maybe if we said it this way, it would be more clear. Maybe if we broke this up into bullet points, it would be easier to read on a, on a screen, like on a web. Um, those are the types of changes that an editor can make. And so we don't tend to change, um, it's quite almost a rule of editing is that like, if the person said it in the text, it kind of needs to persist. You don't change the meaning. You don't say, oh, I don't think you should have said that. I'm going to say it mm. my way. Um, but it's more helping them sort of massage it into its best self. This brings me to a question, which is a little bit technical, but I don't know, it jumped in my head. Do we have like, should we have, two versions, one for mobile and one for desktop? Because if you put a lot of text somewhere, somebody's reading it on a mobile, they won't necessarily, like it will be just too much to scroll and read. Like, So what? I think that really comes down to um, how it's laid out. So you, you shouldn't, so not to get ahead of ourselves with SEO, but you really yeah. shouldn't have two versions of your website for one for mobile and one for, for um, desktop. I think that in the coming year, Google has even said that basically it's going to ignore your desktop version if you have two versions. Because, you know, yeah. they used to have like those M dot websites. Yes, yes. Like those are going yeah. the way of the dinosaurs. Of course, yeah. Um, so you, you don't want to have two different texts. However, you want to make sure that you're writing for both at the same time. So like you have to recognize, depending on your industry, um, but in many industries, 50-50, you have 50% of the yeah. people that are reading on mobile and 50% of the people that are reading on screens. And so you want to design and write in a way that works for both. And honestly, like it's not that hard because you're basically writing for mobile in both. Yeah. Like, Writing for the web is always this short, punchy, like it's not long paragraphs, even on a big screen. So that that's the problem like that I that I found. Most business owners fall into one of two categories. The first one is the person who doesn't know what to write at all and they have a writer's block. Mm -hmm. And when you meet them and you sit with them and you're chatting, they can tell you wonderful things about their business. But if you ask them to put it into a, a piece of paper or Microsoft Word document, they get the writer's block and they will take forever. Yes. And that's a problem for me as a web designer because sometimes I have to fish that content out of the lion's den, you know, or like, a, I don't yeah. know, like the expression is totally off, but yes, yes, fishing and lion. And <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of, yeah, it's hard. It's like extracting a tooth basically to yeah. get the client to give you content. The other type is my type who's very talkative in real life. And then when you toss them to write, they just put everything on like, the first page and then it becomes i don't know like a, a dissertation of some sort <laughs> been there yes <laughs> so so what you do is called free writing so everybody has a different writing style um and i'm actually a free writer myself so when i'm writing i mean for my own things when i'm doing writing 
Um, I tend to just like, just go with it and write so, so much. I remember I had, when I was working on my PhD, I would spend an hour every morning, every single morning, whether I liked it or not, I opened up a page and I just started writing and it would just be whatever came. Um, and I find that that's how I personally get the best Mm. ideas. Um, so it's not that that free writing is the final product by any means. In fact, none of that saw the light of day. I printed it out. (laughs) I stuck it in a binder and then I came back a week later and only highlighted things that were actually worth saying. Um, and that's how I did a lot of my like idea generation. Um, and then personally from there, once I've done a lot of idea generation, then I, make outlines. And so I need to write to an outline. So if I don't write to an outline, then it ends up being this like, yeah. Big green gum. Yep. And so, but I do the writing because I think it's, it's really, a, it's a gift to be able to just sit down and write so, so much because you get so many ideas out. Um, and then you just have to know how to structure them later so that other people can understand and follow what you're writing. But for me, that's an outline. I write a fairly detailed outline. Um, and then I, I kind of do a similar thing where I just like write my way sometimes it feels like you're like I don't know um walking through mud when you're doing that first draft yeah and you're writing to an outline like it's like oh there's a lot of friction there or snow we're in Canada basically <laughs> we have snow here yeah we've got like a foot here now um so so that first draft can sometimes be difficult and I can imagine that for your business owners as well that first draft can sometimes just feel like just not feel good as you're writing it yeah but, but one thing to remember is that every author goes through that. Like every author goes through that like first draft from from the writer's block to a blank page and then to the final version. And what I always tell myself is like, it can always be perfected. So my first draft can be pretty messy and that's fine because I know I can come back the next day and then sleep on it a couple of days and then come back one more time. And then, then is when it starts to really shine. Like that's, and that's really why I became an editor is because I just love that process so much um, that I had been doing that on my own work for so long that I was like, well, this is actually really awesome. <laughs> and so that's why I went into not so much of the writing side of things, but helping other people do that, that perfecting stages. So I can really take like pretty rough drafts and turn it into something that's publishable. It's I'm glad you enjoy this because I, I would tell you, like, I don't know. I, I haven't spoken to any person who owns a small business who have a small website, like, you know, five, 10 pages mm-hmm. who actually enjoy. I, I think it's just people get busy. Like who, yeah. if you're managing a ton of stuff during your day, like you've got your accounting, you've got your sales and marketing and you've got your networking and, you know, trying to, get more clients obviously uh, yeah. to survive and uh, and between this this and you know the technical aspect of the website the updates and the upgrades and, and mm-hmm. the visual design so people actually don't think much about writing and the biggest issue that also I don't know I don't want to say it's a lie but like there's a there's a big misconception about search engine optimization or SEO like there's a I don't know, people fall into a very common trap. And no matter how many times we we keep shining the light on it, they just fall for these marketing messages. So uh, I don't know, like I've, I've SEO, we could probably talk for a week nonstop uh-huh. about SEO. Uh, but th- the thing is, what I try to tell people all the time is that, okay, look, SEO has two arms. Think of it as two separate arms. One is your on-page SEO. That's mm-hmm. your website, your page, yeah. your content. You're in full control of that. 
Absolutely. The other one is the off-page SEO. And there's so many different things that can happen there. But the majority of the ads that people see are kind of either black hat mm-hmm. <laughs> SEO stuff that's going to yeah. be harmful to them or just ads. Like yeah. basically you pay for someone to buy ads. So yeah. since we're discussing today, we're discussing content and editing and making mm-hmm. things look good. And, you know, so it's, it's the on page part. Absolutely. And I think yes. the part that people struggle with the most is how do I, do I need to appease Google to start with? Like, you know, it's not how do I make it rank and whatever, but like Uh in the beginning, do I have to focus on Google to start with? So you don't know, don't focus on Google because Google is just the medium by which people find your site, right? So people use search engines every day to find things, answers to questions that they have, like where should I go get a coffee or what's a good recipe for chocolate chip cookies or whatever it is. I mean, we use we use search engines all the time, but the search engine is just the conduit. However, mm-hmm. unfortunately, it is the conduit between you and your audience. So you do have to pay attention to Google, but I mean, you're really not trying to please Google in the sense that I mean, Google's not going to buy anything from you. It's always going to be a person that's buying something from you. Um, and so you do have to, ha- you do have kind of like a dual audience. Um, but one thing that maybe your audience might be happy to know is that Google is getting so, so much better at understanding natural language. So it's just, it used to be um, sort of an old school approach to SEO would be like, we have one keyword, something really specific. Yeah, yeah. And then we, write that keyword in as much as we can and we stuff it here and we stuff it there. (laughs) And um, that is a really awkward way of writing. Um, Your audience is like, what are they talking about? Why did they say chocolate chip cookies for the 50th time? Um, So that is like just not a good form of writing which would turn off your audience anyways. And also it's painful to write that way. Um, And so now um, Google will understand natural language much better that doesn't mean that you can ignore the fact that it is a robot that's trying to understand a page of text um, and that there are algorithms involved. Um, but, but Google really is, I mean, if you read their documentation, so they have um, something called the search engine quality raters guidelines. And it's basically Google's instructions to people who evaluate how good their results are. Um, what makes a good website? What makes a bad website? Um, and you can read it. I mean, it's, it's a really great document. It's great for people to read because it really gives pretty clear instructions on what they're aiming for in terms of what they're going to prioritize in the search engine rankings. Um, And they're really, really big now on expertise. Like they're really big on wanting to have, because of of fake news, because of misinformation, there's a real push towards making sure that the things that are coming up to the top of Google aren't like spam or aren't Mm -hmm. like trying to manipulate the rankings. And so I think like what you said with, you have these business owners that if you took them out to coffee, they'll just tell you everything. They like real experts in their field. They understand it top to bottom. Of course they are. Like that's their business. That's their that's their specialty. That's the kind of voice that Google wants more of on the internet. It doesn't want more like people that don't really know what they're writing about, writing more things about very specific keywords. Um, They really want to like take the voices of people who are subject matter experts. And I would argue that really all business owners are subject matter experts in what they do. That's why you do it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's why why they do it. I mean, they're certainly, I mean, if you're a plumber, you're an expert plumber. Like, you know, way more about plumbing than other people that don't know about plumbing. And so you can, you can write about it in the kind of way that um, both uh, 
uses all the words that a plumber would know. And that's the real difference now where it used to be, you used to put, um, plumber, 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 mm. and maybe that would make it rank. Now Google knows that there's a whole web of words <laughs> that go around each of these topics. The plumbing industry. Yeah, exactly. And so those are the, that web of words, which really come up quite naturally. If you're a, a subject matter expert, um, you know, you don't have to like do any tricky games to make sure that you're using the right words. You just do it because that's the language you speak and that's the language you write. Um, so anyways, that's where I feel like Google is getting better and better at understanding language, which makes it more and more freeing for authors to be able to publish and be seen. Now, that doesn't mean that off page isn't important. It absolutely is. So I'm not saying that you can just, you know, it's not magic. Ignore it's not it. some yeah, sort of like, oh, the world is your oyster no matter what. Um, but in terms of the on page side, like that is really what Google is aiming for. They're learning, they're aiming to have real experts in their fields coming up as answers. So a plumber answering a plumber question is basically what they want. But this actually means that if you please the humans, like you will please Google, right? Like it's not, you're writing for your audience. You're not writing for oh. SEO purposes. Like, I mean, Absolutely. SEO will come naturally and you rank higher when you write content that would be of interest to your audience. And totally. I think the, the first challenge normally is to find who the audience is. Like, who, who are you going to talk to? Like, who's yes. going to be interested in that content? That that's it's not about just getting some keyword research and then finding I don't know the top ten keywords and then hammering it like repeat. Mm -hmm. the... <laughs> but it is I love keyword research because it does give you that insight into the audience. Yeah, you need to know what you're going to be talking about to start with because- it's... Or even just what your people want you to write about, right? Yeah. Like keyword research is like a big database of stuff that people already are searching for. So you can write, you can write lots of stuff to your audience that they're just like actually not interested in. Like they don't search for it. You think they do, but they don't. Yes. So keyword research is this kind of like double check to be like, oh, is this thing that I'm about to write about actually of interest to my audience or has no one ever searched it before? And that's an important thing to recognize. Now, you might be getting your traffic in other ways, not Google, in which case go ahead. And like, if you're yeah. have an email list or you're doing social media or They're some other way- directly to, to you. So yeah. I mean, people are interested in things that they don't search for, obviously. But I do think that keyword research can be a good place to start if you're starting a new website, just to get an idea of the landscape of things that, your audience would be interested in. So you can kind of be like, I'm going to have a section on my website about that. And I'm going to have a section around here. And then you can kind of start planning things out via keyword research. I find it like sometimes what happens is that we get sucked into our own industry as well. And then we use terms that may be known to like, for example, website optimization. Mm -hmm. That term is known amongst web designers because yeah. we want to optimize the website and optimization could mean different things. Could be content optimization, which is what mm -hmm. we're discussing today, or mm -hmm. could be speed, like to make the website load faster. But if I'm gonna be marketing website optimization to the small business owner, they wouldn't know that word. They'd probably be searching for slow website because they don't want mm -hmm. it to be slow or fix a slow website or yes. make my website load faster. So, mm. so, so that's the ideas that the key why is my website slow, slow. yeah, <laughs> yeah. is divi slow yeah. no divi yeah. on its own is not slow is yeah. the layout that it shows or the amount of photos that you put on there or whatever it's not nobody would create a slow product by design mm -hmm. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, no. And it's very true. Like when, when you're looking at the keywords, I always try to like put my head and be who is actually searching this? Like, is this, I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it, but it's like, you just have to have this empathy where you're yeah. thinking what type of person would be searching this. So in a good example is something like, why is my website slow versus like, how can I optimize my website page speed loading time? You know, like, yeah, that's too you can kind of imagine yeah. that the second one is probably a web designer. So like if you wrote in that way, and if you answered that question, well, you're probably going to attract a bunch of web designers. And if that's your clientele, that's great. <laughs> but if you're looking for small business owners with small web, with slow websites, then you want to yeah, write, yeah. why is my website slow? These are the reasons why your website is slow. And then that's how you'll get that audience. Like it's, it's a quite specific, the audience and how they write. And so then you want to make sure that your text matches that language. So as an editor, mm -hmm. do you first ask the person like, you know, who's using your service, who's your audience? Like, do you, is that part of, yeah, I mean, I don't so, know. So my personal audience, like who do, who is my audience? No, who's like, let's say, for example, uh, you're hired by, I don't know, like um, a CPA accountant. Okay, yeah. Somebody in that domain, oh, yeah. they have a website and they will have their clientele. But like, do you, you first need to find out who I they're trying have. to talk to, right? Like, absolutely. So, so it's also, um, in a sense, this isn't as crazy of a question as you might think, because an editor is always writing to an audience. So, so one way to explain what an editor does um, is that um, an editor works with the author in, um, in service of the reader. And so it's always trying to help the author get their message across to the reader. But the reader is always a specific kind of person, right? So course, who is the yeah. reader? Is the reader a bunch of scientists who are very fun with the jargon? Is the reader like a mom who just wants to figure out whether her kid is sick or not? Like who knows what, who the reader is? So as an editor, you sort of always do need to know the audience. It's not always defined as like a, like a, like an in-market type audience, but there's always a human being on the other side that you have to write to. And people yeah. prefer different types of writing depending on who they are. So I do always ask when I'm working with a small business, I always ask who their audience is. But one of the benefits of being an editor is that I, and, and also sort of one of the kind of reasons why I'm an editor, kind of the idea of being an editor is that you always trust the author to know their audience best. Yes. Right? Because they, yeah. they, like your person who you were talking about in the coffee shop, they know how to talk about their business to their audience. And so like, I'm not going to come in between them and say, oh no, like, I think, I think when I think of your audience, I think of this and this, I might be a, a, like, I might give some small suggestions. Um, but I mm. think it, it, it's really respecting the author because they are the expert in their so audience. like the performance booster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. The additive that you put in your car to make it, I don't know, win the race. There you go. Yeah, I would love to be that. <laughs> if you do some, you know, like when you look at your, I'm going to take you back to SEO, but sure. when you look at your analytics, like when someone looks at, you know, the analytics report of their website, like for me, sometimes I look and mm -hmm. I find that I'm, my site is ranking high mm -hmm. in some searches on Google. They are mm -hmm. kind of, I wouldn't call them not related to my business, but they're not necessarily the words that I would use. Mm -hmm. Do I go and bank on that? Like if, if I feel like people search for something 
could be related or maybe remotely related to what the business is. Mm-hmm. But as a result of that strange search, they landed on my website. Should I try to please them? It really depends on what the words are and where they're landing. So I have a good example that I can probably tell you. Um, I was looking at a website once that was um, had written this really nice list of 50 ways to date your spouse. And it was all these like ideas of things you could do. Like you could go in a movie theater. You could like yeah. have a nice smorgasbord at home. 50 nice, perfectly fine date ideas. I mean, nothing wrong with it. And they titled the, f- the post 50 first dates. And so because there's a movie, movie, I think, right. <laughs> and so they thought it was really cute. Like, Oh, yeah. 50 first dates. It's just like, I like the movie. Person. There's nothing wrong with the movie. There's, and there was nothing wrong with the post either. The post itself was decently valuable. Yeah. Unfortunately, because they titled it 50 first dates, it was coming up for like 50 first dates, download 50 first dates, review, like 50 first dates, streaming. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. And so yeah. there's a good example of, well, I mean, I don't know who their audience was. Um, but I know that they weren't looking, they did not have the download, right? They, the mm. people that were, were clicking and they were looking trying the to download, find the movie. Yeah. They were getting to like freeload, yeah. things that they could do with their husband. And that wasn't exactly what they were looking for. Um, so there is a case where I would change the title and reframe it to make sure that you got the right audience, people who were actually looking for date ideas rather than people who were looking to download a movie. Um, but if in another example, if you had a web, if you had a page on your website that was ranking for something unexpected, that's maybe not how you would have thought that it was, but you could imagine, oh, actually this, you know, Google's pretty smart. They've matched me mm-hmm. up with somebody who is maybe going to buy from my business one day, or is maybe interested in what I have to say. Um, then you could optimize for that new term or just kind of see how it's working. I mean, you could also set up conversion tracking and figure out if those people mm. buy from you. Um, but I think that that's probably the best way to think about it. So if, if the other thing to think about too, is that there is a certain level of topical authority that a website has. So if you're constantly writing about websites and speeding them up mm. and how to make a website and websites in Canada or whatever it is that you write about, Google starts to understand you as the expert on that field. So if you went out and like wrote about mattresses, even if you ranked <laughs> like for Google's it, it would <laughs> kind of not be great. Like maybe you could write a fantastic article about mattresses. It'd probably be hard for you to rank if you're normally writing about computers. Yeah. Um, but also those people are never going to buy from you. And you're a little bit sending mixed signals to Google about what your site is really about. So if it's really out there on left field, I wouldn't do it. Um, if you think, oh, there's a business opportunity here, then like try optimizing around it. See what happens. Yeah, I can't remember the exact keyword. I remember it was, it, it wasn't necessarily web design, but it was business related. And I was thinking oh. like, maybe, I mean, it, probably people for that specific keyword that I can't remember now, mm-hmm. <laughs> landed on one of my old blog posts that had mm-hmm. something similar, you know, because when I started my business, it wasn't straight about web design and web development. I mm-hmm. actually, uh, I was selling and servicing software. Oh, interesting. So there yeah. was some software that was about employee recognition. There was some software that was about um, rating the services that you get in service establishments, like pretty much like what Google reviews is about now. Mm. Before Google had Google reviews, people used to use Yelp, but Yelp was also not working for them. So there was another software that, that bridged oh, that gap and I think Google took over that part now, Google yes. being Google, yeah. of course. 
Yeah, don't get into that business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it, it's funny because like, you know, when you mention plumbing, for example, uh-huh. if, if I'm building a website for a plumber and I'm telling mm-hmm. them to blog, sometimes they think that people don't want to know like about plumbing. I mean, maybe plumbing is an obvious example. I'll give you an example that's a little bit hard. A sure. pizza, a pizzeria. So mm-hmm. you're... <laughs> that's a hard one. Yeah, you're building a website for a pizzeria and uh-huh. all what they want to have there is maybe the menu, yeah. uh, their location, and some of the reviews, and I understand, but they don't want to blog about pizza. No. And they not. need to, but they need to, right? Well, they- it's it's hard because of a local pizzeria, I mean, what are you going to write about? You're going to write about like pizza recipes? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> but you then do- it's like, wait, like... We want you to buy our pizza. We yeah, don't want you to make, to make it home. Yeah. Um, no, don't give them your actual. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's the, yeah. It, I mean, it's hard. So I think that's why there is on page slash off. You just reminded right? me of something so funny, but like, uh, I don't know if you've watched Seinfeld, but you know, Sometimes. The, no, the, not for a while, but <laughs> the soup Nazi. And then when oh, they yeah. found the recipes in an old cupboard. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure people search for that. That would be, that has some search volume behind it for sure. The recipes but, were there. Yeah. Small businesses that are really local, like you can't send a pizza to somebody on the other side of the country. They yeah. really, they're only interested in getting people coming to their site that are really. Um, yeah, so they're either going to come and dine in or order this or, or order. delivery or come yeah. and pick it up. I mean, certainly, for, and I mean, you know this, of course, but certainly build out the core site first. But being right? the expert, that's the thing. Like you, you are the expert on pizza. So you got to yeah. let the world know as well as Google. That's what I'm saying. Like, you're not yeah. only trying to please Google, you're trying to please the humans, but and you got to give them some fresh great. content at some point, like your fresh pizza. Yes. Or like your specials and all that kind yeah. of stuff. But also um, there, there can be. So if you can be really creative and if you have a business owner in those types of industries where content is just legitimately hard to come up with, yeah, um, that, you know, content that you care enough about. Because it's hard to differentiate yourself yeah. And it's kind of been written before. And like, yeah. do people really want to like read more about whole wheat crust? Maybe, maybe not hard to say. I mean, certainly there's a lot of people that are looking for pizza recipes, but they're probably not as much your people. However, I mean, it's not a terrible idea, but one thing that could be really useful. So I just to say what you could do with a business like that is if you manage to find something really creative and really interesting and really outside of the box to create on the internet, that can sometimes act as a real link magnet. So I can't, I mean, maybe you made up a game for like pizzas, who knows this or that, or something that was really like actually out of the box and interesting. And and it probably tell people to blog about maybe the components not not the recipe but like kind of why fresh oregano is good on oh, yeah. a whatever that's true. margarita pizza or something like that yeah and and also maybe why is or um the ovens like we've got somebody oh. around the corner here who's got imported the brick oven from italy interesting yeah and that's the taste is absolutely amazing it's so much different from wow. pizza that goes into any other like gas oven or electric oven or whatever. Yeah. Because you, I don't know, the, there's something in the burn, not completely burned, oh. but like in the, the yeah. burn smell of the crust. From, yeah. yeah, The smokiness of that oven. And yeah. it doesn't stay for a lot. If you go and order, the pizza is on your table in five minutes. It's like wow. it basically gets in the oven, smells that smokiness, comes back out and it's ready to eat. Wonderful. 
Well, and that's something where like you would put that on your website anyways, because it makes you unique, right? So even if it, yeah. even if, if this is a type of thing that when people are choosing which pizzeria to go to, it's like, oh, that sounds very interesting. And like, you could write, you know, how it got to your company and, and, you know, exactly. the, the, the story of it coming on the, the boat. The story of importing the oven from Italy and just like yeah. assembling it here. I don't yeah. know. Did you have to build it brick by brick? I mean, yeah. I'm sure that not everybody who eats there wants to know the story but mm -hmm. if you put it many people will be inspired to come and check it out yes so that's and what i'm I saying mean, you're it's, not it's unique so it's, it's an interesting yeah. thing and you always i mean anything you put on your website you want your existing customers to be pleased to have seen it right so anything you put on your website you need to make sure that it speaks both to the google audience to sort of like establish you as a field as an expert in that field but also you want to make sure that if your actual existing customers see it they're not like huh why are you what? writing about that <laughs> so you do have to stay on topic for that reason because it's still your website yeah so it, it, it's interesting because like for many of these small business owners they think the re the the answer to their, I don't know, Google vows is to just go and get ads placement. And it, it's not necessarily right. It can work in certain settings. But it can be expensive. Yeah. And it's also, this is the thing. You're going to end up paying forever, right? If you want to yeah. stay there, you will keep paying to stay there. So it's yeah. you have to have an ad budget that is there for the rest of your business life. Like <laughs> and you're likely to have to keep paying more and more. Like the, the ad Oh yeah, it becomes more competitive. Right? The keywords yeah. Ad costs don't typically go down. <laughs> and so it typically goes up. But the other thing, I mean, you know this, but just to say uh, the other really important thing is reviews, right? So like for an for a, that's kind of in a a, a small business like a pizzeria having a really robust system to try to just get as many reviews as you can from your happy customers, that's the money in the bank. So like, that's how you can, that's how you can be ranked higher in that all important local pack right on the map at yes. the top of the Google results. So there are many things that play into that, which part you get in that three pack. Um, but reviews are very, very important. And so I know like my dentist here, he's just a maniac and they have the best like they have so many good reviews and I mean way more than everybody else in the city and they do it because like, they're just a bit relentless, but like, you kind of want to help them. What out. is good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like if messages, they're just, they make it really easy to give them a review and they, do they, and they hunt you for the review or <laughs> well, like the guy that works there is just really friendly and he'll like, he, I mean, I gave him a review. Like he, yeah. He texted me personally. He said, oh, like I had texted him and said, thanks so much for blah, blah, blah. And he said, oh, we would be so would thankful please, yeah. if you would be able to write a review. It matters so much to our business. Here's the link. I did it. It was like a five minute job. No big deal. And, you know, now I'm one of 441 people that have reviewed wow. this business. It's huge. Like, but the difference, I mean, now they just, they dominate because they have so many positive reviews and it's because they really invested like energy into getting those reviews and kind of once you have your systems in place i can imagine it's not as awkward yeah. as the first time no and it's not it's not hard to have these systems in place anyway i mean the google map is a link so mm -hmm. it's just like to figure out what's the best way to send this link to your customers that's it mm -hmm. it's not you know uh you don't need a web designer for that but if you need help i'm, I'm happy to help people make sure that they a they do have an actual google my business yeah. That's very important. <laughs> you know, an active one on Google uh -huh. My Business so they can be found on the map. 
bees that they can easily communicate or automate the process of yes. asking people for reviews. And, but it's very, very important as well for you to answer. So if somebody mm-hmm. leaves a review, even if it's a good review, like yeah. I see, I see some businesses only respond when somebody's, uh, you know, kind of complaining about something. Yes. And it's, it's good to also, you know, to always answer a complaint because it shows the world that you care. And like, you know, we're all human. Sometimes things will go, things will go wrong yeah. as, as long as you're able to explain, you know, what happened and what more importantly, it's not just what happened, but what measures are you taking in order for this not to happen again? That that's, that's what everyone is interested to know. Like how, how did you fix it? How did you deal with conflict? Right. Like, how did you like the, the axiom, like the way to think about it is you get in touch with the person who had a problem with your business or your service or whatever it was in the same means that they got in touch with you. So if someone writes you an email, you write them back. If somebody writes you, if somebody writes you a negative review, you say, Oh my goodness, thank you so much for bringing that to our attention. Like please X, Y, and Z, and I'll be in touch. (laughs) And then, (laughs) you know, you just, you solve the problem publicly. So even though you probably would have always solved the problem privately, you want to solve it publicly. So everybody knows that you solved it. Yeah, Exactly. I mean, sometimes it's something like, uh, uh, I don't know, my, my cell phone provider, for example, they don't have as many towers here. So as a result, the signal is really weak. We have terrible. We have terrible phone in Canada. Yeah. And it's like, (laughs) guys, like every time I I contact them, it's been three and a half years. And at the end, I just switched provider. I've had enough. Like there's no point. You know, it shows me as roaming in my house. That's the worst. (laughs) Yeah. I'm in the bathroom. I'm roaming. So this is slightly <laughs> off topic, but like Canada in general has pretty terrible cell service. I got, so I did African history as my degree, far, far better cell service in the middle of the Serengeti. Is it because like, of the trees? We have a lot of trees. I don't know. I is don't it know. I think it's just that we're big. And trees? Something about us being a big country and it being expensive to put lots of towers here, there and everywhere. But like really, truly middle of the Serengeti, no problem. Data, everything. Yeah, you've got no like, interference. It's open. Yeah, just a <laughs> nice clean. big open, send an email. It was fine. Yeah. Anyways, Canada is like just so behind. <laughs> but but it's it, it this is something that like for every service provider, you know, it's important for them, at, you know, big or small company. I know that I usually speak about small businesses mm-hmm. and entrepreneurs because this is my, you know, circle. Mm-hmm. But generally, even bigger companies, like, you know, if you're a, if you're an enterprise or a big company, you'd be surprised how, you know, you appear on Google searches and sometimes mm-hmm. you appear up high for the wrong reason because you have many complaints and stuff. So this is something that ties into what we're discussing today. You have to put the content out there, even if that content is your solution to the problem that people are Googling. Like mm-hmm. if you look at your analytics, you probably find, I don't know, um, 40% landing on your page for the wrong reason. You have mm-hmm. to address that. That That's yeah. bad to your reputation. Mm-hmm. Well, and you also want to make sure that when you look through the keywords that you're coming up for, you need to make sure that, you know, they're as tailored to your audience as you can. So, I mean, most businesses will have like their brand name be the, I mean, if you're looking at sort of like low hanging fruit for SEO, you want to make sure that you're first just ranking well for your brand name that when people go and look for you on the internet using Google, they find you. Yeah, That's like 
priority number one. Um, but beyond that, you wanna make sure that the other pages on your website are ranking in some way for things that are related to your business. So things that you sell or problems that you solve. Um, there's a fantastic book called They Ask, You Answer. Um, and it's one of these content marketing books, but I, I just, it's one of the most down to earth content marketing. I've read all the content marketing books and I actually, to be honest, love them all. Um, but this one is the most down to earth, which I would totally recommend to anybody who is just trying to get past this. Like, why would I answer all this stuff on the internet? Um, and it just gives a really compelling reason and a lot of really good examples of why people do all their research on anything, including what pizza they're going to buy, um, yeah. on the internet. On the and internet, so the yeah. way that modern <laughs> buying and selling happens is that people self-educate and find the, the right company for them. And by the time they actually get in touch with you, like by the time they fill out your contact form, they're ready or, to buy. They're like 80% there. Yeah. Right. And this wasn't what it was like 10 years ago before Google, um, as a business owner, you could kind of like hold all this information to yourself and you could say, oh, like, I'm not going to tell you how to fix your own toilet because I'm a plumber. <laughs> you're going to use me. Yeah. You're never going to yeah. hire me. Right. But what you actually want as a plumber is people with broken toilets, right? Like yeah. what you really want is you want to find the audience of people who have toilets in your city that need fixing right now that might be yeah. leaking or might be making funny noises or just not flushing anymore. And so you want to be the trusted source and some people might take your your like instructions and do it themselves, but like that's fine. They're that's not fine anyway for now. At least. Yeah. And then there's another people like me that's like, oh no no, I will start a. I'm not gonna touch that. Yeah, exactly. And like, oh, this like furnace repair person, and really like the companies that do this that answer all the questions that they get every single day on their website, they thrive. Because people do want to know how much it's going to cost to have an air conditioner installed and what their options are and which should they buy this one or that one. Or I, I, I hate it when companies don't put their pricing. I mean, I do understand like, okay, I don't have my pricing and I'm not mm -hmm. doing it on purpose, but mm -hmm. my pricing is based on what type of website, what, how much content you have. Is it e-commerce yeah. or not e-commerce? So there's no one size fits all. It's hard for me to of put course. a generic price that will not serve anyone mm -hmm. because it's a service. Mm -hmm. But there are some services that for, the, for these specific services, the prices are kind of known, like mm -hmm. changing the oil, you know, your car service, yeah. right? You yeah, know that it ranges from X to Y. You, you have to put that oil change pricing because mm -hmm. people will be Googling. They're going to uh, go you know. to your, your, they're going to go to your competitor who is more transparent. They, yeah. when, when people don't put their prices at all on the website, it really is quite cagey, right? Like it's, it's telling your, your audience, no, 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 I'm holding that to myself. Cause maybe I'm yeah. going to charge you more because you're a big business because you have blue so eyes or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So um, this, this book, I think it's Marcus Sheridan is I think the author, I can send you the link. Um, but his approach to the cost question, which is all the time people don't want to put, especially when it's a bespoke service, if it's like, no, I'd love to put it. I just don't know what it is. I mean, okay. I'll, I would so love to have packages at least to tell people, okay, what you can says. choose this package. You can choose that one. So he, his, his approach to this is just genius um, because that's a real, that's a reality. And I'm in the very much the same position. I mean, I have prices on my website, but only some things can I have as packages. Um, 
But what he says is that what people want isn't necessarily their price, like an instant quote that's like set in stone. They just want to know about cost. They want to know about pricing. So if you can be really honest about like, these are the types of things that make it more expensive. These are the types of things that you can save money on. Like, this is an example of what this one cost. Like you can kind of, you can see how that would fit into your situation. So by saying, I'm not going to put prices on my website, shuts everything down. But if you say, I am going to answer questions about cost, I'm going to do it in a blog post. And I'm going to say, this type of furnace costs more because of X, Y, and Z. It tends to be 20% more (laughs) and it lasts three years longer. And this one over here is cheaper, but it does only have a five-year shelf life. You know, those are the types of things where you can talk about prices without actually- This is what makes you look like, not look, you are the expert, but- Absolutely. This is what cements your position as the expert in your industry, even though you may think- and you were rank, yeah, but you You'll may think it's like boring. How expensive is an air conditioner, which is totally <laughs> what you want to be ranking for. Like 100%. If you could rank for that, you'd make so much money. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing. Like small business owners sometimes think that people are not interested in, in what they have to say mm-hmm. that is not salesy, but actually people are more interested mm-hmm. in the not salesy content that you have, not in the salesy and oh. the punchline and whatever, like the old marketing style. Yeah. You know, or I mean, I some of the stuff that I, I studied in, in digital marketing, I don't agree with, mm. like creating scarcity. I hate that. Mm. Oh, this offer will end, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, it's always sure. 10 minutes from now. Yeah, <laughs> you go a year from yeah. now and it's still 10 minutes, it's ending. It's totally. I, I have this plugin, by the way, but <laughs> I don't use it on my own website. It's good for e commerce. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's good sometimes when you, if you're selling um, physical goods mm-hmm. and sometimes people see a discount and there's a counter, yeah. it actually hurts exactly. them to buy. But I, I wouldn't use it, you know, as a blanket for everything. Like, I, I don't really believe in a service business. I don't believe in scarcity is the best way to go about it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you need to be, I mean, honesty and transparency is just so important. Yeah. Um, so if people start just not trusting you because you seem to be lying all the time and they're not going to hire you. Um, but if you, on the flip side, if there is genuine scarcity, it, it is a very effective. Yeah. It, approach, it, I mean, right? okay. I do understand so, if, if you have an offer, yeah, like a real offer, a black Friday, right? Totally. Exactly. It's a black Friday. So yeah. you may have it for a week or a month and that's it. It's not going to be a black Friday or year round. So that's mm-hmm. fine. But mm-hmm. you, you know, what, what I disagree with is to try and make, Everything you have, oh yeah, seem like uh, you know constantly almost is never coming back. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And like just stock your stuff. So that for people who are still listening life. to us, and we didn't lose them because you know, <laughs> <laughs> guys, we're not digressing. It's all related to your search engine ranking, yes. because it's related to your genuine content positioning yourself. Um, as the expert in your domain, which is not a lie. You are an expert in your domain. Otherwise, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing right now. So (laughs) it's very true. And Google says it like really expert means that they have when when they're when they're evaluating websites and trying to figure out who to rank. I mean, this is a I mean, obviously, it's done by an algorithm. But when they're checking to see how their rankings are doing, they really are. Does this person have the kind of training and background 
in this thing that they're talking about doesn't mean you need to be like a genius in all things. It just means you need to be, have the background in that thing that you're writing about. And very few people would be writing about things that they don't actually care about or know about. Right. Yeah. Like if you have your own website and you have your own business, like you really are an expert. So just you say answer questions, answer questions. And like, you can't go wrong if you title it the title with like a how to or a question for a blog post that you're writing. Like that's, honestly normally the best way to so that, go. there's one thing that i've seen from your interview with josh mm-hmm. that i liked a lot and i started doing it because Ooh, it's me. so easy it's like for example okay i'll i'll give you a techie example because i'm sure, techie, sure. So. <laughs> uh do i use cloudflare or do i need cloudflare that's a question that people ask Yes. Why do I need Cloudflare? I actually right? need to know the answer to that. So tell me. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what I, is your yeah. what is your technique? I'll send you to the blog post. No. Perfect. <laughs> no. So Perfect. yeah. So what I did, I created the post. Uh-huh. And there was a story behind it. I had a client for whom I've used Cloudflare. Right. And I use Cloudflare for most clients anyway, because I believe that it's good for you. But I didn't tell her. Then she hired somebody else long after our service together ended. And that was my mistake. So here am I apologizing to you in public. You know who you are. (laughs) (laughs) And because she's not a techie and she didn't know what Cloudflare is. And then she hired some SEO company. I don't know why. I don't even know what an SEO company does. But anyway, Mm -hmm. and they got some changes done and they wanted to change the domain and it broke her email because they didn't know that Cloudflare was handling the DNS service. Oh, I see. So they changed on GoDaddy and then they changed, I don't know where, 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 where. And Mm. the the result was because nobody spoke to me and nobody emailed me or called me or whatever, I would have Mm. done it for them without all this, you know. But I realized then that for the average business owner, they don't understand what the DNS is and they don't understand what Cloudflare is. And mm-hmm. also for a lot of web designers, they see Cloudflare, but they're not sure, should I use it? Should I not use it? So yeah. I created a blog post to explain this. It, it was because of the bad situation. <laughs> that and you turned it around. <laughs> yeah, that cost me like kind of, I think that it's not that she doesn't trust me anymore, but she felt that something was kept from her and mm. it wasn't intentional. It was because the regular average business person doesn't know how to manage their DNS. Mm-hmm. So it was part of well, the it's service. it's kind of a hard thing to explain. Exactly. And you even when I did explain, up, you know? yeah. it wasn't received. Like, And I understand it's very technical. Like the, the, best, the best approach would have been for their techies, whoever is there, like the SEO company, to get in touch with me. And like, there's no charge. Just like, tell me what you're trying to do and I'll tell you was the mm-hmm. best way to get it done. That if you hire four or five people to do the same service, you'll, you'll get into a conflict. Yeah, that's very true. So in order for me to help others mm-hmm. be their business owners or their web designers, I created that blog post. Yeah. You know, do you do you need Cloudflare? So so it, it's just, I can't remember the exact question. Do I need Cloudflare or do you need Cloudflare? Mm-hmm. But that's the title. It's, it's probably Google wouldn't make a huge difference yeah. in interpreting one or the other. Like the the way keywords work is they tend to work in groups. So it's like- You are, uh, yeah. Does you know, someone you needs, need Cloudflare? Yeah. I need Cloudflare. Like does the does website somebody need Cloudflare? Need Cloudflare? Yeah. 
probably if you look, so if the way to check is if you were to search all of those things in Google, just do like an incognito window so that you don't have your search. Yeah. Cash and stuff. Yeah. But um, if, if you're basically getting the same 10 results for all of those different things, then Google has decided that those search things are analogous are related. So you have yeah. to make, you know, there's really no difference regardless of how you type it in. And what I've done is the first word in there is yes. So like there's a question up in the title. Yes. And, and like the first word in the actual article is yes, yes you do. Here's why. And then yes. I explain what it does and why do I believe it's good. And, and basically, since you asked, uh-huh. it's a, <laughs> two things I like about Cloudflare, uh, but one of them is better than the other. Okay. Um, the one that's better is that it adds another layer of security. Um, mm. Usually, if somebody wants to attack your website, mm-hmm. all what they need to figure out is the IP address where your website is hosted. Then they can start or mount an attack against that IP address. Mm-hmm. And usually most of these denial of service attacks, or as they're called technically mm-hmm. DDoS, mm-hmm. is that just bombarding the server with what looks like legitimate requests. You know, it's like I the see. server keeps on answering, hey, give me this page, hey, give me that page, hey, give me this image, hey, give me this, give me this script. And the server just gets one million requests a minute to the uh-huh. point that it it just dies trying to answer all of them at the same time. Makes sense. And this way your website is taken off service because mm-hmm. of the denial of service. Yes. So if you use Cloudflare, the uh-huh. IP address, if somebody's trying to figure out and mm. to target you specifically or somebody on a specific hosting server, mm-hmm. they'll just get to the IP address of Cloudflare, not your actual IP. They wouldn't know what your actual IP is because Cloudflare is in between. Yeah. And Cloudflare has designed its own service in a way to deal with the null of service attacks. So mm-hmm. it, it wouldn't bring them down and it wouldn't oh, bring see. your website down because you're shielded. You're, you're mm-hmm. on a completely different IP that nobody knows about. Yeah, that's interesting. I never knew that about Cloudflare. I always just knew it as a way to speed up your website. Yeah, like, so it's an additional layer of security and it, it does work. That's interesting. It kind of makes sense because I think I've seen things where like, you can't go to this site because Cloudflare has it locked down. Yeah, <laughs> and sometimes it will ask you to prove that you're a human, like a captcha yeah. or or it will tell you to wait for a second or a minute. Yes, or... I've seen that. That's the one. That's interesting. So that's their, those are their systems. That's so interesting. So that's the best, the best part of it. And I'm talking about the free Cloudflare because there's a paid mm. version that does way more than that. Okay. Now, speeding up your website, it's a myth. But <laughs> really, okay. Cloudflare has extra caching, so uh-huh. they can they can cache your website a little bit more. Uh-huh. Um, they can minify your JavaScript and your CSS. And I'm getting all techy here, but mm-hmm. uh, we have uh, many listeners who are web designers, so they will appreciate this. Um, so it does do this for you, but you wouldn't see the difference that it makes. It's a split of a second, so you wouldn't necessarily feel that your website loading time. Uh, has been cut by a full second or something as a result of being on Cloudflare. I the, see. Okay. The free Cloudflare. Mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. the paid version is another thing. The paid That's version has proper speeding. Oh, interesting. Uh, okay. You know, and um, they would even work with your hosting server in tandem to get things done really fast. So they would actually make your web hosting server feel better. <laughs> oh, interesting. But that's cool. the paid version because they have like lots of, of, of different um, configurable switches that you can switch I on see. and off. 
and uh, and they will make your website. They will actually make your website faster. Very cool. In a way that you'll feel it. But that's the thing. So I wanted to be of service to anyone uh-huh. who's thinking about Cloudflare. Yes. And whether they're web designers or small business owners or end users mm-hmm. to figure out, because like I remember when my client was angry and she called me angrily and said, what the mm-hmm. hell is Cloudflare and why do I need it? So uh, <laughs> that gave me the I idea. Of, yeah, <laughs> On I, the internet. <laughs> maybe I, yeah. answering happy questions, but I guess you could do it the other way around. <laughs> yeah, well, I come from an IT background and like being in um, uh, IT support, Nobody calls you unless they're angry. That's true. Like, that's true. Who's gonna call the IT help desk to say, "Hey, thank you guys. My computer is is running really well." Like, <laughs> Nothing to report. <laughs> just wanted to let you know you're appreciated. <laughs> yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, but that's the way. I mean, that's I mean that's content marketing. Just writing the answers to the questions that you know. Because think about it, your um, your audience sometimes is searching can I make a website or I need to fix my website, but they also are spending time on the internet doing other things relatedly in their life. So maybe not directly related to something that you have a service around, but it's still that same person and it's still that same audience. And that's who you want to sort of trust you over time. Um, And so if you can think about the other things that that audience is going to be writing about that's related enough that you have expertise in that area, but not necessarily like every single blog post leads towards a exactly. sale. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that is quite valuable because that is, and I think important. Josh is probably a fantastic example of that, right? Before yeah. I ever knew Josh, like I was just working on Divi sites and up he came every time I had a question. <laughs> and Yoda. Yeah. after a while, you start to just really trust the guy because you, you recognize that last time you solved your problem. And now this time you're like, well, if I'm going to click on one of them, like I know that this guy does videos that make sense to me. Um, and so yeah. then you do that. So like if, um, if you can do that type of content marketing where you're, you're kind of in the area of the types of people that you would maybe want to work with one day, um, then over time, they'll just get to know you. And then that's just like a beautiful thing. Shout out to Josh. Hey, Josh. Hello. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I love how he's doing it because i think it all came naturally and genuinely it, it i think yeah. it's part of it is his friendly personality mm-hmm. josh josh is very friendly and he genuinely wants to help people and uh yeah. every time and anytime you have a conversation with him he's so thankful because the more helpful he was the more successful he became and the mm-hmm. more money he got mm-hmm. this is like the secret sauce here that that that's exactly what we're talking about yeah. like if your goal is to go on the first page of on google mm-hmm. for a business competitive reason i've got news for you ain't gonna happen mm-hmm. but <laughs> if your goal is to genuinely help your audience mm-hmm. get better um solve problems mm-hmm. do better in general no matter what you sell no matter what business you're in Mm-hmm. you will rank in Google as long mm-hmm. as you keep actively, you know, you keep being active and posting about the stuff that you know. Yeah. And, uh, and also going back to your, like, not to plug editing too much, but 
to go back to old posts. So like, I mean, sometimes you end up with just this, these gigantic websites. Sometimes I'm called in and like, you wouldn't believe how much content they have. And like, some of it is not relevant. Now it's not necessary. Like most of the time, if Google has decided that something isn't relevant, it's not probably holding you back. Like leaving it live is probably not much of a problem, but if you see your rankings kind of slipping, like if you can see, Oh, I used to rank really well for that. And then like other people kind of up their game and now I'm not the best result on the internet anymore. Um, if you can go back and refresh. So if you've been in business for a while, if you actually do have lots of blog posts, one of the best things you can do, that's a lot easier than writing something totally fresh is to go and update, to go in and like, see what, how you could even make it better. So it's just another phase of editing like two years later. Um, but to come in and see what other people are in that field kind of doing, mm. maybe some things are just straight out of date and they need to be updated. I mean, in your field, things change. Yeah, because the terms change as well. The, the actual terms that people use change. And then the prices change and some businesses go out of business. So like, you know, Cloudflare will probably be here for a while, but one day it might not be. And then you need to make sure that you've updated it to the new caching service, right? Like those types of things are, um, that can really help or, or add on to old posts. If there's new competitors yeah. in the field, if you're writing about yeah. companies and there's a new competitor that you want to write about, like don't hesitate to go in and make those changes because Google does. I have to, like, a good question here. Because everybody, it's not just me, and I think everyone who has a WordPress website would probably end up, especially if you've been blogging for a long time, mm -hmm. having a messy archive. Like, uh, <laughs> oh, yes. All, like the old, all, all your like... old posts from five years ago and whatever, and yeah. you're in the same industry, mm -hmm. but the industry itself has moved on. There are new terms and there are mm -hmm. new technologies and new ways of getting business done. Yeah. So, do you advise people if they go and revisit those old posts mm -hmm. now that i'm gonna edit it mm -hmm. be it alone or using an editor like you or whatever but i'm gonna mm -hmm, edit it do i change the data make it today's date or leave it as old as it was or it, so the date What's doesn't the matter way? as much as you would think i mean you could you can add like an updated date right so you can do like first published 2017 updated 2020 so that can adding that on mm -hmm. can certainly help um and updating the metadata so that google understands that it's been updated um, the most important thing, which you didn't ask, but I'm going to answer is do not change the URL. Oh so yeah. Because though you lose your, yeah, everything that well, was pointing to you'll lose. One. Well, there's that, even if you yeah. did all the proper redirects, you would still like, you know, but it's that Google really understands that that page is that page because of the URL. It's like yeah. almost a unique ID, right? Yes. So that's the address. Um, that's it's, it's actually a URL is a uniform resource locator. Like I know most of us use the word. But you need to understand it's called the locator for a reason. Yeah. So <laughs> there you go. That's a very good way the of putting address. it. Exactly. I knew it on some level, but that is a very good way. <laughs> that's true. And so if you... Yeah, I studied all the boring internet stuff. <laughs> the, uh, if you change the URL, then Google actually thinks it's just a brand new site that's never existed before. So when you do refresh your content, you can update the date. That's great. I mean, it's just good for your users, right? To know that they want to know that it's new, not old. So you could yeah. republish it as totally new and keep the same url especially if it's really substantially different like it really yeah. is a new post on the same topic um then you might want to just make it create totally a new post new. 
I mean, that's probably what I would do is that if it was a small edit, if I was just making smaller changes, adding a paragraph, changing a couple things that bugged me about the old version, then that's called updating. So you could say updated 2020 or updated specific date in 2020. Um, but if it's a substantially new thing on a topic that you've written by in the past, reuse that URL. And then you take all any, any sort of authority or any sort of links that you had to it that now goes to the new one. Now you can get people linking to your new one and you get to kind of put all those links together. So that's kind of useful. That's cool. <laughs> I have one last question before I let you go. Sure. Um, when we talk about answering questions and most of us do it on our own websites, which is a great mm -hmm. thing to do. Mm -hmm. Would you also recommend that people go and answer some questions on some of the sites that have questions like Quora or so there's a, there's a, that's a very good question. There's a couple things about that. So in most cases, like Quora and those types of things aren't necessarily going to be like the types of, so say you write an answer to a question yeah. and then you link back to your website. Um, I think most of those are no follow links. So they're not going to, yeah, they don't give you the juice. Yeah. They're not going to pass any authority. However, um, your audience is there, right? So like if your audience is looking for an answer to a question that you have answered on your own website in a blog post, for example, you can give like an expert type opinion and then a link for like more information. You can check out my blog post. That can be very, I mean, that can just drive traffic. Mm. So while it may not necessarily specifically help yes. with your off-page SEO, um, that could be very useful. Then the flip side is, if you're looking to try to figure out what questions people are asking in your field, go to Quora, go yeah. to the places where people are asking questions and go find things that you're an expert on to answer. And then you'll see good returns that way. So those, those, those bulletin boards and those types of things, Reddit and those types of things are great places to figure out what your audience is even interested in. Here we go, off-page SEO in a nutshell. There you go. <laughs> you can do it on Facebook as well. You can do it like wherever you think um, your audience exists. Uh, I always I, like to think with Facebook groups, like if somebody Googled it, you know that they're, sorry, if somebody's asking it in a Facebook group, it's because yeah, they know Googled that someone it is, and they didn't find the answer. And they didn't find the answer. So probably it's a good thing to write on. Yeah. I mean, I, it just sucks out a lot of time. So just be careful, dedicate yeah. a specific, uh, I don't know, a few hours a week to work on yeah. this. You got to do it constantly. That That's the clue. You have to be constant. Don't, don't overdo it. Yeah. Burn out and then stop doing it. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to like constant. hoover yeah. up the whole internet and all those questions, but just use it as a way to get yeah. ideas. So if you're running dry of things to think about and things to write about, going out and finding some outside inspiration is always a good way to start. And then you have something, like I was saying at the beginning, you have something to sit in front of when you're like, I'm just going to write and I'm going to free write. And even if it's terrible writing, I'm going to write it anyways. If at the top of the page, you have a real question from a real person, that can sometimes make it much easier for the words to come. Yeah, it guides you where to go with your thoughts. Yeah. And like, instead of thinking about, oh, did I put the washing in the dryer or like? <laughs> yeah, indeed. And also you can have that, that imagined audience to yeah. write to, and that helps a lot with the tone. So instead of being really like stilted and academic or like, just, you don't really know who you're writing to, or you're kind of writing to the whole internet all at once. Um, it's better to write to one person. And so if you have one person's question in front of you, it's a lot easier to get into that mode of answering that person's question. And I, I think, some people have sometimes more than one audience, which is okay as long as you don't speak to both audiences in the same sentence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, it's muddled. And and write, you can write the same often. I mean, if you look at keywords, it says that, right? It's like XYZ for women, XYZ for men, XYZ for kids. So if you were selling something to women and men and kids, you could hit those keywords separately, or you could hit them in different sections within a bigger blog post. Either way, you're being specific to the audience. Yeah. Or maybe have, I don't know, I wouldn't say two separate blog posts. It depends on the situation. Depends on the XYZ. Uh, like, yeah. Recruitment agencies, for example, mm-hmm. they have, their customer is the employer, the company looking for someone to work for them. Mm-hmm. And their, their other oh. customer or the client is the candidate. Oh yeah. That's, kind those of are like, very different audiences. Yeah. If you're, if you're a dating agency, you've got two. <laughs> yes. Or, or in real estate is the other yeah. one. Or real estate, buyers and sellers. Yeah. yeah. But so if you have two groups, you can keep them separate even on your, like some people, when they design the website, they have two entries. Mm-hmm. It's like almost having two separate websites, one for sellers and one for buyers. Yeah. Or, because and, you want your people to feel at home when they get there, right? That exactly. it's everything for them and nothing that they don't need. The mistake is having a homepage that's trying to cater for both. Yeah, that's And true. it becomes too hard. And I'm kind of there as well, because when I started my web design and development business, my target, as usual, is small business owners, entrepreneurs like me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as everything evolved, the last year, most of my clients are web designers. Mm-hmm. And I love working with web designers because we're from the same industry. It's easier for us to connect. Mm-hmm. And it's easier for me to be the techie without having to explain how it's done. Like, I yeah, just that's care true. Of it. <laughs> just thankful that you can do it and they don't have to. <laughs> just let me take care of it. You have a headache? I'll take care of it. No more headache. Just don't ask me to show you how it's done. (laughs) I'm actually, I'll make a course. Like, you know, if genuinely many people need to know how it's done and Mm -hmm. that's the idea for my course. Mm -hmm. I have some free tutorials and it's, it's okay. I, every time I talk, I get a question from Michelle, but we don't want this (laughs) episode to be mega long as well. But if you have some free content, like Josh is doing it as well. Like you've got uh-huh. so many tutorials mm-hmm. and you're thinking to have a paid course. Mm-hmm. One of the things that is stopping me, not stopping me, but like, you know, I procrastinate and I get busy, mm-hmm. but sometimes I feel like I've already covered everything in the free tutorial Would people mm-hmm. actually pay for a course since like most of the information is even how I explained it is there readily available. Mm-hmm. So from a content perspective, mm-hmm. what should somebody do in this instance? That's a good question. Like, so there's two things. One, and I'm just taking this from Josh, but he's said that one of the things that he does in his courses is that he puts it in an order and he, yes, some of that stuff is available for free, but you really got to go look for it. And by having it like as a guide that you bring, like there is, there is value in the ordering. And there's value in the sort of like bringing somebody through it in an organized way. So that's one piece. And then the other piece, and you probably don't want to hear this, but the other piece is that like, if you've given away really great free content, I feel that like, that's just a call for you to like really jump in and see what you can bring to the table that is unique and is not replicable and isn't already on the internet somewhere. And so like, given that you're the expert in these things, I think it- 
it gives that, you that's this, not replicable <laughs> well but it's the thing where you can go in and say the yeah. things that you didn't have time to say yep. or explain things in ways that you're kind of not willing to give away for free right like i mean even though you've given many things away for free and so have i um there are certain things that like you know you this like your special knowledge the things that you are hard won like specialist knowledge that maybe you are willing to give away. Cause I do think that you want to make sure that you want to make sure that anyone that buys a course um, is coming away thinking, wow, yes. I got a great So you don't want them to say, value. Oh, uh, you just sold me something you gave me for free. You want people looking at your free content and saying, wow, if this is the stuff he gives away for free, I wonder what's in the paid course. Like if that's, yeah. Like if that's the mode that you can get your becoming, you'll sell tons of things. Um, and so I think that that's why it's good to be generous in your content, in your free content, because I think it really helps people understand the quality that you always produce. Um, but I am almost positive that you have more to give when you really sit down and you can make an organized class. That's what I think. Perfect. Thank you very much, Michelle, for being here today. Lovely to have you here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us, um, me. And it was really nice to yeah, chat with you about all these interesting things. Yeah. And I'm sure like people will enjoy because like, you know, I haven't seen many um, episodes somewhere else that are discussing specifically content and, you know. Well, SEO editors, like we're not many. <laughs> and an edit yeah, editors. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, WordPress, they have I mean, a role called editor, but no one is using because everyone wants to be the administrator. Yes, indeed. I am the editor. <laughs> I own it. Thank you so much for having me. Cheers, Michelle. Have a great day. Thanks.